MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. Holy majoli, and I don't say this lightly, but what a news day. The Supreme Court refuses to hear the Mazars case clearing the way for the New York grand jury to get Trump's tax returns. Dominion sues the MyPillow guy for $1.3 billion. The Merrick Garland hearings are underway in the Senate Judiciary Committee. The House Budget Committee has passed the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. Zuckerberg changed the rules to benefit Alex Jones and other right-wing figures. Biden announces protections for small businesses who want to use the Paycheck Protection Program. Virginia lawmakers end the death penalty, and Pelosi approved a request from the House Sergeant-at-Arms for a National Guard support as soon as the request was made. I'm A.G. And my goodness, I'm Dana Goldberg. Wow. Today. My goodness. (laughs) I should do my Christopher Walken. Wow. Wow, Dana. Yeah. Today, the news. I, I don't know. And it's not all bad. And it's not all bad. There's <laughs> some, some really good news. It was almost Christmas. There's been so much news today. We don't have a guest interview today. It's just wall-to-wall news. We'll cover the headlines. Then I'll go over the Merrick Garland hearings. And uh, also, I'll be talking about new reporting from BuzzFeed about Facebook malfeasance. And then Dana will be live on the Stereo app this Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time and uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's our little after party adult beverage or not adult beverage, whatever you're into. Uh, just we sing and <laughs> dance and ask questions and do weird stuff. It's it's really fun. All of the above. We do all the above. And uh, today at 5 Pacific, Tuesday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, you, you can join Andrew Torres and me. Uh, we will be discussing law type stuff on the Stereo app. So download the Stereo app. Follow Dana at DG Comedy. Follow Andrew. Follow myself. I'm at Allison Gill or me, whatever, me, myself, and I. <laughs> uh, and uh, wait, 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 Dana, stand by. There's breaking news. This has just been handed to me. <laughs> Ships at sea, ships at sea. This story is out of this year's Criminal Political Action Conference. I'm sorry, that's Conservative Political Action Conference. This year's CPAC, entitled Uncanceling America, has canceled the appearance of young Pharaoh. (laughs) This says multiple anti-Semitic remarks he made have resurfaced. Still scheduled to appear, Bernard Carrick, who pled guilty to eight federal felony charges in 2009 and was sentenced to four years in federal prison. So wait, they they canceled someone at the... At the, the anti, at the anti and cancel get together. That's ironic. <laughs> they canceled him. Uh, it's bad though. What you know? What he has said. Of course. Um, some of the remarks young Pharaoh has made very anti-Semitic. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little bit about what he has said. A uh, content warning here. This is really bad. In July 16, 2020, in a Twitter post, he wrote that Judaism was completely made up for political gain. In a July 29th, 2020 post, he claimed that Jews were responsible for all of the censorship and pedophilia on social media. And in January of 2021, this year, he referred to the religion's followers as thieving fake Jews. Hashtag, hashtag fake, hashtag Jews. So instead of going through his Twitter history and checking this out before they booked him, the Uncancel America conference put somebody on their lineup that they had to cancel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so that's just just handed to me, Dana. Um, we have a lot of news. We have a lot of news to get a to lot today. Of so news. Let's get to it. I, I think yeah. you're ready to go, and I can't wait. Here's Let's the big one. <laughs> Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today comes from the Supreme Court, as reported first by Reuters this morning as I was waking up and wiping the sleep out of my eyes. Donald Trump suffered a major setback on Monday in his long quest to conceal details of his finances as the U.S. Supreme Court paved the way for a New York City prosecutor to obtain the former president's tax returns and other records as part of an accelerating criminal investigation. The justices, without comment, 
and without dissension, rebuffed Trump's request to put on hold an October 7th lower court ruling directing the Republican businessman turned politician's longtime accounting firm Mazars to comply with a subpoena to turn over the materials to a grand jury convened by Cy Vance. The work continues, Vance tweeted. (laughs) Now, Trump issued a statement describing Vance's investigation as part of the greatest political witch hunt in the history of our country accusing New York Democrats of spending their energy on taking down a political opponent instead of tra- of tackling violent crimes. He, he <laughs> called it uh, political persecution, in, but I think what he means is criminal prosecution. It sounds the same, right? But it's, it's two different things. <laughs> the Supreme Court's actions don't require Trump to lift a finger and that he doesn't have to lift any of his tiny little fingers. The records involved were requested from a third party, Mazars, not Trump himself. Uh, Vance previously told Trump's lawyers his office would be free to immediately enforce the subpoena if the justices rejected Trump's request. Now, a Mazar's spokesman has said, we remain committed to fulfilling all of our professional and legal obligations. They've they've been ready to hand this shit over for years. It was just Trump that was suing to block it. Uh, Reuters reported on Friday that Vance's office had subpoenaed a New York City property tax agency, suggesting prosecutors are examining Trump's efforts to reduce his commercial real estate taxes for possible evidence of fraud. And in a separate litigation, the Democratic-led U.S. House of Representatives is seeking similar Trump records from Mazars and Deutsche Bank. There's also an outstanding case of the House Ways and Means Committee. They sought Trump's taxes so they could review the effectiveness of the presidential and vice presidential tax audit program. The chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richie Neal, tweeted today in response to the SCOTUS ruling on Mazars, quote, this morning, the Supreme Court once again affirmed that no one is above the law. The necessity for the case I am pursuing is clear, and I remain fully confident we will prevail. Da da da. Our work continues with the law on our side. Now, this is absolutely fascinating because, and I want to say this, I want to be real clear about this, Dana. It's not just his tax returns. The the the, the Manhattan DA has had his tax returns, state level tax returns, for a long time. There are other records, and I think what they're looking for is some sort of. Uh, memo from their, his from his accountants telling the Trump organization, hey, maybe don't take that easement credit tax deduction on Seven Springs Estate. Maybe don't uh, tell everyone that your mansion in Florida is worth uh, $94 million instead of $54 million. Maybe don't do that. Uh, and so if they have those, then they can prove, not that they absolutely have to have these documents to prove that Trump knew he was committing the, you know, committing federal tax offenses so there we go there you go it's good stuff see happy news happy news to start the night all right uh okay this next one the biden administration announced several changes monday to the paycheck paycheck protection program try that five times fast (laughs) in an effort to reach minority owned and very small businesses that may have previously missed out on accessing loans to help weather the coronavirus pandemic now Starting Wednesday, small businesses with fewer than 20 employees will have a two-week exclusive window to apply for funding. Bigger businesses will be blocked during that time period. The administration will also change some eligibility rules, effective the first week of March. The self-employed, sole proprietors, and independent contractors can now qualify for more money, like you and and me. Uh, They previously, or you and I, yes, you and I, um... (laughs) No, like you and me. Okay. They previously, <laughs> I just did that enough to confuse the <laughs> listeners that they don't know which one was right. They previously were excluded altogether or received as little as a dollar because the loan amounts were calculated based on the number of employees. And obviously we all are our sole proprietors. So the loan program will also open up to small business owners with non-fraud related felonies, those delinquent on their federal student loans and some non-citizen residents, such as green card holders or those in the country on visas, all of who were excluded earlier. And as we know, AG, all of who pay federal taxes and probably more than the former president of the United States. Indeed. Yep. This is a wonderful thing. Um, I actually do qualify as a sole proprietor now in the entertainment industry. So I hope that if you're listening and you are a gigged worker, a gigged worker, you will try and get a PPP loan because there is money out there for you. Wonderful. That is excellent news. And it's a two-week exclusive window so the big businesses can't get all in there. I love it. Uh, And here's something else. In a new report from The New York Times, we can finally put to bed the Republican talking point that Nancy Pelosi was to blame for the delay in the National Guard response to the insurrection. Quote, new details about what transpired over those 115 minutes 
on that dark, violent day, revealed in interviews and documents, tell a story of how chaotic decision-making among political and military leaders burned precious time as the rioting at the Capitol spiraled out of control, unquote. So those 115 minutes will likely be the focus of a congressional hearing today, Tuesday, when lawmakers will question the former Capitol police chief and the former sergeants at arms for both the House and the Senate, among others. Chief Sund, who's the former Capitol police chief I just mentioned, did not hear back for 61 minutes after he called for help for the National Guard. And even then, there was a catch. Though Capitol security officials had approved his request, the Pentagon had the final say. During a tense phone call that began 18 minutes later, a top general said he didn't like the visual or the optics of the military guarding the Capitol and that he would recommend the Army secretary deny the request. Pentagon approval finally came at 3.04 p.m. The first deployment of National Guard troops arrived at the Capitol two and a half hours later. Sund made the request to Irving the House Sergeant-at-Arms. Now, days earlier, Irving told Sund he didn't like the optics of the National Guard at the Capitol. And Irving waited 30 minutes before he even approached Pelosi's staff to ask for permission. Now, when he did finally approach her, Pelosi immediately approved the request. So there was no delay on the behalf of Nancy Pelosi. A full hour after Sund asked Irving for approval, Irving called Sund and said Pelosi and McConnell had approved the request. Then, of course, the Pentagon pushed back uh, when Lieutenant General Pyatt repeated the refrain that they didn't like the optics of the National Guard troops at the Capitol. Pyatt said he would brief the Army Secretary but would recommend denying the request. Finally, acting SecDef Chris Miller approved the deployment. And I find it shocking that the sergeant-at-arms dragged his feet for 30 minutes and that both Irving and Pyatt used the same optics language. This was clearly coordinated, in my opinion. I look forward to a full investigation by Congress, and we'll watch these hearings and report as they unfold. I love that all of this is starting to come out. You know, there's going to be a lot more arrests, and, you know, if it, if it goes all the way up, Merrick Garland said today he will follow this where it leads no matter how high it goes. So. Mm-hmm. The truth always comes out. Indeed. This is a this is also some good news. Two bills to abolish the death penalty in Virginia won final approval in the state general Sem- assembly on Monday. Yep, and we're headed to Governor Ralph Northam, who as we know is a Democrat, who is expected to sign them. Virginia, historically one of the nation's most prolific death penalty states, would then become the first in the South to abandon the ultimate punishment. The state Senate approved by a vote of 22 to 16 a House bill that bans executions and establishes a maximum punishment of life in prison without the possibility of parole. A judge would have discretion to suspend part of that sentence. A sticking point for some Republicans who pushed unsuccessfully to make life without parole a mandatory minimum. A minimum. Yes. An identical Senate bill sponsored by Senator Scott A. Surovell. Mm-hmm. Am I saying Surovell's last name right? I Great. A dem- so. uh, Democrat. Uh, passed the House by 57 to 43 vote, with two Republicans joining all the Democrats, which is a wonderful sign. Virginia has imposed capital punishment since the colonial times, ahead of the rest of the nation. Get this. A spy for Spain was executed in Jamestown Colony in 1608. 1,390 people have been put to death in that state since that first one. This is according to the Death Penalty Information Center. Now, since the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated the death penalty in 1976, Virginia has executed 113 people, more than any state other than Texas. Oklahoma is a very close third to those two. Now, the death penalty is outlawed in neighboring D.C. and Maryland, which abolished it in 2013. Virginia would become the 23rd state to ban the punishment following Colorado's abolition last year. So this is a good thing. Um, it's, yes, it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's, it doesn't work. It's not used right. And it costs us a tremendous amount of money. Mm. Your vote matters. Your vote matters. Indeed. Other headlines. Dominion has filed suit against the MyPillow guy. $1.3 billion. <laughs> Dominion recently sued Trump's lawyer Rudy Giuliani and lawyer Sidney Powell for the same amount each after they pushed similar lies about the U.S. election and the Dominion machines. And the House Budget Committee voted 19 to 16 to advance the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package. This move sets the stage for the House, full House to pass the bill, possibly later this week. According to Reuters, U.S. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer has confirmed that the COVID relief bill is on track to reach Biden's mm-hmm. desk. By March 14th. Good stuff. Yeah. Good mm. stuff. So, oh, yeah. What a good, 
I can't wait for the good news, too. It's just going to be good news on top of good news. Now, uh, the next two segments, uh, well, one was amazing. The other, not so great. But this next one is truly amazing. We'll be right back with standout moments from the confirmation hearing of Merrick Garland for Attorney General. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Stamps.com. Everyone dreams of what they would do if they had extra time and money. Uh, I would travel the world as soon as the whole COVID thing is over. I would probably taste all the wine, but I definitely wouldn't be taking trips to the post office. That is not on my vision board, and it's probably not how you want to spend your time and money either. So if you want to save your hard-earned cash and precious time, I recommend using Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is an absolute breeze. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer at home. You can send letters, ship packages and pay a lot less with discounted rates from the Postal Service and UPS and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. With Stamps.com, you get the services the Post Office and UPS all in one place in your home computer. Plus, big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. I love their service. Using Stamps.com has been such a smooth and efficient experience. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and they'll send you a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts are required. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Daily Beans. That's Stamps.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So... We had the first day of questions and answers in the confirmation of Merrick Garland for Attorney General of the United States, and there were so many standout moments for me, but I wanted to go over just a few with you that really just stuck out to me. First and foremost, there was the opening statement, which I read parts of during yesterday's show, and I think the most important part of that opening statement is what Merrick Garland said about white supremacy and his intention to make the investigations into the insurrection one of his top priorities. Let's take a listen. In conversations that I have had with many of you before this hearing, you have asked why I would agree to leave a lifetime appointment as a judge. I have told you that I love being a judge. But I have also told you that this is an important moment for me to step forward because of my deep respect for the Department of Justice and for its critical role of ensuring the rule of law. Celebrating DOJ's 150th year reminds us of the origins of the department, which was founded during Reconstruction in the aftermath of the Civil War to secure the civil rights that were promised in the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. The first attorney general appointed by President Grant to head the new department led it in a concerted battle to protect black voting rights from the violence of white extremists successfully prosecuting hundreds of cases against uh, white supremacist members of the Ku Klux Klan. Almost a century later, the Civil Rights Act of 1957 created the Department's Civil Rights Division with a mission to uphold the civil and constitutional rights of all Americans, particularly some of the most vulnerable members of our society. That mission on the website of the department's Civil Rights Division remains urgent because we do not yet have equal justice. Communities of color and other minorities still face discrimination in housing, in education, in employment, and in the criminal justice system. And they bear the brunt of the harm caused by pandemic, pollution, and climate change. 150 years after the department's founding, battling extremist attacks on our democratic institutions also remain central to the department's mission. From 1995 to 1997, I supervised the prosecution of the perpetrators of the bombing of the Oklahoma City Federal Building, 
who sought to spark a revolution that would topple the federal government. If confirmed, I will supervise the prosecution of white supremacists and others who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, a heinous attack that sought to disrupt a cornerstone of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power to a newly elected government. And then next, there was the questioning by Tom Cotton, who, as we know, has said that slavery was a necessary evil and called himself an army ranger, even though he only completed army ranger school and never served in an army ranger regiment. He asked Garland about the difference between racial equality and racial equity, as if to say, we owe nothing to no one. So let's see how Garland handled that line of questioning. You're aware that President Biden has signed an executive order stating that his administration will affirmatively advance racial equity, not racial equality, but racial equity. Yes, and I, I read, uh, read the opening of that executive order, which defines equity as the fair and impartial treatment of uh, every person uh, without regard uh, to their status, um, and uh, um, including um, uh, the individuals um, uh, who, are in, who have uh, been in underserved communities uh, where uh, they were not accorded that uh, before. But I don't see any any distinction uh, between uh, 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 in in that regard. That's the definition that was included in that executive order that you're talking about. So, do you racial equity and racial equality are the same thing? I don't you know. This is a, a word uh, that is defined in the executive order as I as I just said it. Uh, so I, I I don't know what else. I can't give you any any more than than the way in which the executive order defined the term it was using. Thank you, Judge. And and then there was this moment where Kennedy. Senator John Kennedy wants to know if he's a racist and doesn't know it. I want to ask you about this concept of implicit bias. Yeah. Does that mean I'm a racist no matter what I do or what I think? I'm a racist, but I don't know I'm a racist? Okay, the, the label racist is not one that I would apply uh, like that. Implicit bias just means that every human being has biases. That's part of what it means to be a human being. And the point of uh, examining our implicit biases is to bring our conscious mind up to our unconscious mind. Okay, now this next line of questioning really uh, got old really fast. It's, it's Fled Cruz asking Garland about the politicization of the Obama Justice Department, <laughs> seemingly unaware of the past four years. And notice how he folds into his question the incorrect assertion that the Russia investigation was opened on the predicate of the Steele dossier. They are still trying to push this bullshit point, and it's getting really old because it's been debunked a zillion times. The report that Cruz references here at the beginning of this clip is the Department of Justice Inspector General report from Horowitz on the FISA warrant of Carter Page. Let's listen. So you described the report as saying there were problems. That's a fairly anodyne way of characterizing it, given the multiple material misstatements the Horowitz report details, including Mr. Klein-Smith's fabrication of evidence and lying to a court, which he's now pleaded guilty to. Um, I think that was yet another example of the deep politicization of the Department of Justice, culminating in a meeting with the acting attorney general, President Obama, Vice President Biden, in the Oval Office concerning the targeting of their political opponent. Will you commit to this committee that under your leadership, the Department of Justice will not target the political opponents of this administration, and there will be real scrutiny? What that report outlines, among other things, is weaponizing oppo research from the Hillary Clinton campaign and launching a criminal investigation based on that. Will you commit that that conduct will not be acceptable under any Department of Justice you're leading? So uh, absolutely, Senator, but w without uh, trying to comment specifically on, on that matter, it's totally inappropriate uh, for the department to target us, uh, any individual because of their uh, politics or their position in a campaign. The only uh, basis for targeting has to be uh, evidence of, um, of, of, of the risk of a foreign intelligence uh, problem or of a uh, criminal problem. And uh, it, that is a nonpartisan issue. 
Uh, that is a question of objective facts and law, and it can never be an effort to help uh, one party or another party. Um, in polit in uh, investigations and prosecutions, there is no party. The department uh, is an independent, nonpartisan actor, uh, and that's my job to ensure that that's the case. Notice the uh, Garland pushback at the end against what Cruz was insinuating by saying he could, Garland says, of course, we don't go after someone for political reasons. We only go after people who broke the law. It's a perfect answer to a loaded bullshit question from Cancun Cruz. And finally, this to me was the most memorable part of the day. Uh, I think this will go down in history. I think we'll hear a lot about this clip. Uh, Senator Cory Booker asked the following question. Um, you've talked to me a lot about your thoughts about this, and I've been really, really inspired. But it gets back to me, to your conviction in this issue and your determination uh, to go down at a time when our nation needs this, um, uh, to go down as one of the great uh, uh, um, leaders when it comes to dealing with the daily unconscionable injustices faced by some Americans and not others at the hands of law enforcement. And I think that one thing you said to me privately particularly motivated me to believe you when you talk about your aspirations. And I'm wondering if you could just conclude by talking, telling, answering the question about your motivation and maybe some of your own family history in confronting hate and discrimination uh, in, in, in American history. Uh, yes, Senator. So, uh, you know, I come from a family where my grandparents fled anti-Semitism and persecution. The country took us in. And uh, protected us. And I feel an obligation to the country to pay back. And this is the highest, best use of my own set of skills to pay back. And so I want very much to be the kind of attorney general that you're saying I could become. Um, and I'll do my best to try to be that kind of attorney general. I, I believe your heart, and I'm grateful. And we'll be right back with the stunning story about Facebook bending the rules in favor of right-wing propagandists from BuzzFeed News. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I know some of you are sleeping on a saggy old mattress at night, and you deserve better than that. So give yourself an upgrade. And this segment of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep, because Helix understands that you are unique, and the way that you sleep is unique, and they customize the mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. We all have trouble sleeping from time to time. Personally, I haven't slept well for the past four years. I thought it was because of politics and who was in the White House, but as it turned out, I didn't have a mattress customized to my needs. And that is where Helix Sleep comes in. They have this sleep quiz they created. It takes two minutes to complete. They use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's plush or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your belly, or if you sleep really hot at night, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. Like me, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was actually awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. It's totally risk-free, but you will love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. In an incredible piece of investigatory journalism by Ryan Mack and Craig Silverman of BuzzFeed News, we are getting a look into how the rules governing DESA, disinformation, and hate speech and hate groups were not hard and fast and were, in fact, totally up to Zuckerberg and his policy team leader uh, named Kaplan. And as you can imagine, after seeing Zuckerberg cuddle up to Republicans over the past few years, the rules weren't applied equitably. So according to this reporting, back in April of 2019, if we think about that time frame, that's right around the time that the old Mueller report came out and Barr put out his four-page mischaracterization letter, just to put it in a little bit of a contextual situation for you. Right around that time, Facebook was about to ban Alex Jones from the platform until Zuckerberg personally intervened. 
Now, I don't need to remind you about the disgusting track record of disinformation and propaganda that came out of InfoWars and Alex Jones, but some of the hits include calling Sandy Hook a false flag operation, a conspiracy theory later picked up and promoted by Marjorie Taylor Greene. And of course, there was Alex Jones' hate speech against members of LGBTQIA communities, as well as Muslims and other communities of color. Now, Facebook rules at the time clearly made Alex Jones a candidate for expulsion early on. But according to BuzzFeed, Zuckerberg didn't consider Alex Jones to be a hate figure and personally intervened to create this loophole. See, the terms of service didn't only call for the ban of Jones, but also a ban on any content that praised or supported Jones. So Zuck agreed to remove Jones, but chose to continue to allow praise and support from his fans, which opened up a loophole for Jones to get his message out by proxy on the largest social media platform in the world. An anonymous policy official told BuzzFeed, quote, Mark personally didn't like the punishment, so he changed the rules, unquote. And another official said, quote, that was the first time I experienced having to create a new category of policy to fit what Zuckerberg wanted. It's somewhat demoralizing when we have established a policy and it's gone through rigorous cycles. Like, what the fuck is that for? Unquote. And Facebook spokesperson Andy Stone said Zuckerberg called for a more nuanced strategy when it came to enforcing the hate speech and disinformation policy. That nuanced policy had a ripple effect that resulted in the delay of the removal of other hate groups, including the Oath Keepers, nine of whom have been indicted for conspiracy charges in the siege on the Capitol, January 6th. We all know about that and their ties to Roger Stone. Quote, internal documents obtained by BuzzFeed News and interviews with 14 current and former employees show how the company's policy team, guided by Joel Kaplan, the vice president of global public policy uh, and Zuckerberg's whims, has exerted outsized influence while obstructing content moderation decisions, stymieing product rollouts, and intervening on behalf of popular conservative figures who had violated Facebook's rules. Now, since the election, at least six Facebook employees have resigned with posts calling out Zuck's failures in combating hate speech. And four of those specifically called for a reorganization so that the public policy team and the content policy team would not both report to Kaplan directly. In June of last year, three Democratic senators wrote a letter asking what role Kaplan played in the deprioritization of containing extremist activity. Apparently, Kaplan's close relationship with Zuckerberg led him to weigh politics more heavily. Kaplan openly courted the Trump White House by intervening on behalf of right-wing influencers and, as we remember, publicly supporting the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Here's some more information about who Kaplan is. Quote, when Kaplan joined Facebook to lead its D.C. operation in 2011, he had the connections and pedigree the company needed to court the American right. A former clerk for conservative Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, Kaplan served as a White House deputy chief of staff under President G.W. Bush after participating in the Brooks Brothers riot during the 2000 Florida presidential election dispute. Uh, Time out here. You'll remember that that was also led by Roger Stone. Back into the quote here from BuzzFeed. During a Senate confirmation hearing in 2003 for a post with the Office of Management and Budget, Kaplan was questioned about his role in the event, the Brooks Brothers riot, which sought to stop the tallying of votes during the Florida recount. Kaplan even argued against disclosing the full extent of Russian social media disinformation on Facebook. And the Trump White House even considered nominating him as their chief of the Office of Management and Budget. Now, check this out. In the run-up to the 2020 election, Facebook employees suggested that the site stop recommending political discussion groups that spread disinformation in their Groups You Should Join module. They were afraid of the backlash from right-wingers. They eventually paused political group recommendations just weeks before the election and didn't remove them until after the insurrection. In addition to keeping the group recommendations, they also decided to keep in-feed recommendations, or IFRs, uh, where that's where they insert posts from groups that you don't follow into your feed. IFR was not supposed to recommend political groups, but users started complaining in the spring when they were seeing posts from chodes like Ben Shapiro in their feeds, even though they would never engage with that type of account. Facebook leadership argued that removing those in-feed recommendations would decrease traffic to those sites. Well, yeah. Shouldn't you organically get your own traffic to your site? Now, Kaplan also killed a project to help connect Americans with different political opinions. 
And he killed the feature called Correct the Record, which would ping you when you interacted with disinformation. The policy team also stopped an initiative that would have throttled the reach of political posts that contained lies. Quote, in October 2020, Facebook responded to ongoing criticism of its policy decisions by introducing an oversight board, an independent panel, to hear appeals on content takedowns. But the former policy employee with insight into the Alex Jones ban said that significant changes to rules and enforcement will always come down to Zuckerberg. Quote, Joel Kaplan has influence for sure, but at the end of the day, Mark owns this stuff. Mark has consolidated so much of this political decision-making power in himself. I highly recommend checking out this piece in BuzzFeed. It's extremely informative. There's a lot more to it, and it's quite disturbing. So it's, you know, content warning, I guess you would say, (laughs) put a label on it, even though Facebook probably wouldn't. Uh, We'll be right back with the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Finding great candidates to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job on some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then, ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds the people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. So while other services may overwhelm you with applications that you have to sift through, ZipRecruiter finds what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. As if we didn't have enough good news, we have more good news. This is listener-submitted good news. I'm so excited to get to this. If you have any good news or confessions or corrections or just pod pet pics or happy place photos or moments where you did something super dumb or... What was the other thing that we do? Oh, Amy's Court. If you have a dispute you need settled, you do all of it. Any communication you have for us, just go to dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Let us know if you want us to say your name or if you want to be anonymous. You can include your pronouns if you so desire. So uh, let's kick it off. For context, uh, this was part of, this This is from Jay, uh, pronouns he and him. And here's some context from Jay's submission last August. Last August, Jay submitted Tuesday last week. Uh, She had to have an emergency C-section, and unfortunately, we lost the puppies. I was absolutely devastated and still tear up whenever I have to explain what has happened. However, Willa is okay and came home the next day. She's been a brave little girl. Now, here's an update from Jay, pronouns he and him. Hi, Allison. Hi, Dana. I messaged some time ago about my Lhasa Apso Willa, or her high high princess Willa of London. She's all recovered from the loss of the puppies, as I have, even though I'm still sad about it. But onto the good news, I just got invited for my first COVID vaccination. Getting it was easy, so no complaints. The side effects were not great, though, however. An overnight fever, sore arm for a few days, but that's a small price to pay. The NHS and all the GPs are doing an amazing job, general practitioners, and uh, National Health Service. And I am most grateful to be living in the UK with my universal health care. I wish this was something all countries would provide. You and me both, Jay. I've attached a picture of my other furry squeak, Bailey, from my company's professional photo. Photo shoot. If you ever work somewhere that allows dogs, take your dogs in. They make everything special and bring smiles to everyone. Also, another pic of Willa attached lying in the sun, being attended to by her obedient human. You can see loads of pictures of Willa's puppies on Instagram using hashtag WillaBabies. Have an awesome week, and one day, hopefully, I'll see you in London. Oh, <gasps> the babies. <laughs> oh, the tie. With the foot out, with the little... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the little foot to the side. Oh, like, yeah. Remember how your mom used to make you pose for prom pictures by putting your foot out to the side? Oh, my God, that's hilarious. So cute. Thank you so much for the update and for the beautiful pod pet tax. Okay. 
This next one's from Steph, no pronouns given. It just occurred to me that I missed my three-year anniversary of discovering your show in January. MSW and later DB has been a lifeline ever since, and I have listened religiously to every episode and caught up to the very first one. And here is where I have to make a confession until October of last year. Now, at that time, we bought a Nintendo Nintendo (laughs) Switch. I see where this Mm. is going. I bought a Nintendo Switch Animal Crossing for our daughter. Back then, I joked that my favorite podcast host and her friends, who are of my age, are constantly talking about this game. What a way to spend your time. I still joined on her island just to know what she was doing. Now, long story short, in late October, I got myself a Switch and the game, and I started my own island, on which I live far away from news, Twitter, and my previous podcast diet. Within two weeks, I had paid off my basement and got a five-star rating while I managed to still occasionally feed my three kids and organize their homeschooling schedule. (laughs) That's hilarious. I know that in November, an election happened. (laughs) But more more importantly, I got the service center on the same day. Yes, your podcast has kept me sane over the years, but your enthusiasm for this funny little game has truly saved me from sleepless nights and over dosing on crazy news before and after the election. I have only recently discovered that I can actually listen to podcasts while playing. So I would gladly catch up. Since we don't have pets, here's a picture of little sleepy Sherb, Morpheus in German, uh, wearing his sleep mask like glasses. I gave him many glasses ever since, but he keeps putting these on. Coincidentally, this is also a picture of my happy place. Keep up your great work. Sending love to all y'all from sunny Munich, especially to my super pre-soaked friends. The community you have started is just wonderful, and I'm thankful to have found you all. For some of the many ways I have misunderstood your opening lyrics, you can listen back to the Nudesworth airing episode on, on Quarantine Confessions. <laughs> I remember you, Steph. Die have ich don von dir. Steht mir gut, oder? Ah, he he he, cookie. <laughs> I love it in German. Animal Crossing auf Deutsch. Uh, yeah, in München. Nice. I love it there. I love it there. Although I got abandoned uh, at the Hopfer House, but I made my way back drunkenly um next up from jessica pronoun she and her in an astounding moment of duh my college roommate told me that an actor we both liked would be hosting saturday night live with a straight face and complete confidence in my question i asked what day is that (laughs) yeah (laughs) she never let me live that down also i was today years old when i learned the koa logo was not a man (laughs) but a (laughs) tp oh my god that's fantastic for pod pet tax here is a photo of my spoiled rotten girl bella oh bella's beautiful face oh Oh. she's sweet oh i bet you she's soft is she like a she looks like one of those king charles spaniels i don't know she's Mm. adorable she is super soft what a pretty baby my goodness all right, this next one. Uh, this is Carly who submitted Ruger for the mystery breed. Ah, I totally forgot to submit the answer. There's my confession. Rue is an Alaskan sled dog. Best we can guess, she's some mix of husky, maybe some German short hair pointer, look at you, AG, and some sort of sight hound, like a greyhound or a saluki. Saluki. Now, I think she was bred to be a sprint dog rather than a long distance runner. You and me both, sister. Uh, Because she did not sell as a sled dog. She found her way into the rescue I used to volunteer for. I fell in love with her at an adoption event, and the rest is history. There you have it. Saluki, definitely. All right, so I got a little German short-haired point in there. You got a little German shepherd in there, right? Yeah. 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 Husky. We had had healer and I had Dalmatian, neither of those, but. What a beautiful baby. Thank you. Okay, next up. From Melissa. Please name my dog breed. I'm not going to scroll down too far in case the answer's at the bottom. I'm not either. But this looks like a Boston Terrier mix. Uh, maybe a, a like relatively small pup. So maybe like a terri- like a Boston Terrier mix. Yeah. I see I see I see a boxer maybe. Mhm. Yeah. M- mixed with like um what are the French like a, an American bulldog i know that sounds weird but it's not a french bulldog but look at the face there's a little bit of something in there yeah like no the one from homeward bound right yeah. the one that michael j fox played so i see a little bit of that in there so i'm going with boxer and maybe a little bit of pit i love this dog i That's think so cute. i think pity boston terrier pity staffy, boston terrier a staffy boston all right uh here's the answer we think she's part boston terrier part beagle go. 
Oh. Definitely part gremlin mogwai. (laughs) (laughs) Those ears. This is Toby. We also have another dog named Stanley. All right. Boston Terrier, I called it. Sweet, sweet. I love this game. Send us more. I know. Go ahead. You got the next one. Don't scroll too far. Mixed breed challenge. This is our shelter dog, McFly. We had a DNA test done, so we know for sure. But I've yet to meet anyone who can figure him out. (gasps) Oh, my God. He's so cute. Oh, he is so cute. I think. Oh, look at that second one with the little girl. He's given the look like. "Mm." I'm going with. Hmm. Healer Lab. I think there is a healer healer lab. There's healer for sure. Because of that face, right? Yeah. And there was something up top that I thought maybe... Yeah, I would say actually healer lab. That's what I think too. What are the spots? Oh, the, 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 blue, the brown on the back. That I feel like that might be... A step pity? That looks like a pity spot. Yeah. Or it even could be... Oh, I mean, I know it's not a beagle spot because that would be strange and the dog's too tall, but... All right. All right, let's see what it says. Pit bull, terrier, cattle dog, and poodle with 10% unidentifiable. That unidentifiable is a healer. I swear to God. It's got to be a healer. We're both going, my beans are on healer. My beans are on healer. (laughs) All right, so I got pity. I didn't see cattle dog and I didn't see poodle at all. No. What a honey, though. What a sweet baby. Uh, All right, you want to read the next one? Oh, sure. Um, and this is from Anonymous. No pronouns given. Hey, ladies, happy day. My parents, both in their 80s, are now officially two weeks out from receiving their second shots. Ooh. No major side effects either. I want to dance for joy. For pet tax, I submit my best friend's new corgi for baby. <gasps> love you, gals. Stay safe and much love. It's a puppy corgi. It's the sable kind. Oh, look at his toes. Look at his toes. And then they click on that. And they click on that wood floor, I bet. Oh, yeah. Click, 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 click. So cute. Little stilettos. Oh. All right. Next up from Laura, pronoun she and her. Salutations from Australia, Lady Beans. My good news today, I quit my job. I was in a glass case of emotion. I was in a glass case of emotion. I have to do the right reading. About celebrating this at a time when so many people are wanting for employment. But hear me out. I've been working as a stage manager for the opera for the last decade. And in 2020 was due to start work as a director for the first time. I loved my work. I lived my work. When COVID hit and the entire live events industry was decimated, I found myself not just out of a job, but out of a passion. It was soul-crushing to be so instantly uh, considered the least essential of the non-essential workers. Not only that, every one of my people was in the same boat, the HMS Bad Feels. So it was hard to see the sunny side. Luckily for us techies and artists, we have long since been a thrifty lot. We pivoted. Much to the surprise of someone whose main skill is telling Sopranos where to stand on a stage, I was lucky enough to score a COVID job, quote unquote, pretty quickly. But whilst I am ever grateful for the security my COVID job has afforded me through 2020, it's been hard to reconcile the loss of working in the arts, which has always been what sets my soul on fire. Fast forward 11 months, and thanks to the amazing work being done by my country, Australia, to kick COVID in the junk, the ghost lights... (laughs) are officially off and the theater is back on yes as of today i'm leaving my covid pivot and returning to the arts where i will be directing the first ever show i have written thanks to some spare time i found in lockdown and taking it on a seven-week tour so whilst it seems selfish to celebrate giving up a job believe me when i tell you it is in exchange for the return of my soul thank you for being the most excellent and for cultivating a community of people i know i can share this joy with and not feel guilty as Pod Pet Tax, I supply you Darcy. People like to call her adorable. This is true, but she is also a big old mole. I don't want the good people thinking she is to be trusted. She isn't. <laughs> Evidence below of her constant desire to sit in all available mud puddles. Also, a picture of my happy place sitting on a stage looking out into an empty auditorium. Oh, that is my happy place, too. I love that shot. Oh. And hey, and hey, I, I, I just want to say that, you know, you talk about instantly being considered the least essential of the non-essential workers i think that uh, here uh, among us among the beans uh the arts are wholly essential absolutely there's no doubt i understand the feeling um but Mm. trust me they're gonna need us more than ever when this world goes back to in person one of my favorite views is the view of center stage from backstage through a curtain where you can see the spot coming down on the microphone. You can see the seats in the theater. 
And then you look back an hour later and the theater is full and the spotlight is there on the microphone and you know that that's where you're walking out to. Absolutely. And this picture just sort of encapsulates that. It's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for this. And thanks for to everyone's submission. And by the way, the Muddy Dog is pretty friggin' hilarious too. It's beautiful. Looks like a Samiid adorable dog. Well, you know, one of those white fluffy dogs. Um, if you have something to send in, your happy place. I'm really loving the Guess My Mixed Breed game. So please send those in. Me too. Uh, our producer's doing a really good job of putting a bunch of spaces at the bottom of the last picture so we can't tell by scrolling what the actual answer is. And, you know, we're on the honor system here and we're honorable folks. So we appreciate <laughs> you. Send everything in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And then, of course, join Dana and me uh, this Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern. I'm getting the hang of it. I'm getting the hang of it uh we're going to be on the stereo app download the stereo app for free you can do that at stereo.com slash allison gill follow dana at dg comedy follow me at allison gill two l's and allison two l's and gill we have so much fun we would love to see you there we really would and we could talk about some of these uh really good news stories you can bring them to us and interact with us live yeah and it's it's fun because it's not all political sometimes it's a hodgepodge of like childhood memories that no one else knows about including us so yep yeah so everybody uh keep watching those merrick garland confirmation hearings today and check out the other hearings that are going on good times are coming they are Uh, indeed so and everybody until tomorrow please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. And uh, we're here doing our live after party. Daily Beans after party is what they're, what they're calling it, what the kids are calling it these days. It reminds me of I just watched <laughs> the 30 Rock episode where Liz Lemon was like, uh, out with the Tracy Jordan and he's like are you going to the after 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 party and they end up like on somebody's roof but yeah just finished watching that vote the vote to oust Marjorie Taylor Green from Woo-hoo! her two uh, I, I think I was incorrect. I think the last time we were here live, I said that she was only, I thought she was only on one committee. She was on two committees. She yeah. was on education and labor and also on the budget committee. Like Education. What? Education. She's on the committee of education. She was, was, because she got voted <laughs> off of education. Yeah. And 11 Republicans voted alongside Democrats to oust her from these seats. Uh, so we're going to see how the backlash of that plays out. Cause as you know, McCarthy was like, well, what about Maxine Waters? And what about so-and-so? And they get to keep their committee seats. Like they committed, like they wanted other people to be executed or believed that nine 11 was not real or what, like, come exactly. on, like, stop. Stereo is the app for live social conversations. We want to talk directly with you, the listeners. Ask us questions about news, politics, anything. And you can share your experiences and opinions, and we want to hear it all. So download the new app called Stereo and join us live this week, Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific. Link to our show in the description and join us over on the Stereo app.